0: Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company.
1: Hey, this is Nirmal Malaykal. I'm the producer of Politico Energy. We've got a special show for you today since we are reporting live from the first ever Politico Energy Summit. We'll have some key takeaways from the event later, but for now, let's get to our usual programming with our host, Josh Siegel. Josh, take it away.
0: This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, a Democrat, is hoping his state will be the nation's leading producer of wind energy by 2040. But that ambitious plan is facing some roadblocks. The first challenge is more public. Several mainstream Republicans and leading conservatives have been linking, without evidence, Murphy's offshore wind plans to whale deaths along the coast. The second challenge is quieter, but even more important. How will these wind projects be paid for? Negotiations have been ongoing since last year between state officials and Orsted. The company expected to build what would be the state's first wind farm. The stakes couldn't be higher for either side or for state electricity customers. So today, Politico's Rye Rivard on if New Jersey's offshore wind plans are still on track and how the Murphy administration is handling criticism. It's Friday, May 19th.
2: So, you know, there are a couple of states, New York, New Jersey and California that are vying to be the leader in offshore wind energy. But New Jersey wants to have sort of the most ambitious goal, which is 11 gigawatts of offshore wind energy by 2040. And so, you know, if New Jersey can't hit some of these targets, it's going to be very hard for the nation to meet some of the ambitious goals that Biden's trying to set.
0: Right. In your reporting, there have been two different issues that people have criticized Governor Murphy about regarding his ambitious offshore wind plans. The first being this unfounded link between dead whales and wind energy. So what exactly are conservatives saying there? What's the reality and how is Murphy handling those criticisms?
2: So there's been an unusual mortality event for whales over the past couple of years. And Republicans have said, well, at the same time, we're thinking about developing offshore wind. What if these two things are connected? And they've taken the position that they're trying to save the whales and the Democrats and mainstream environmental groups are no longer interested in saving the whales and are interested in propping up the offshore wind industry. Federal regulators, researchers say there is no reason to think these two things are linked. And so far, even some of the groups and people who are pushing the narrative that there's a, a link between dead whales and wind energy say, well, you know, there's no evidence for this, but we should halt offshore wind energy development to study whether there might be. And what the Murphy administration has been doing is it's trying to do sort of two things at once, which is to not overly engage, but lately trying to sort of turn around this narrative that's really gotten to be a a big thing in New Jersey. You know, there's polling that suggests that New Jerseyans are very concerned about This link existing, if you look at the public comment dockets at our state utility regulator, there's lots of people saying we need to stop offshore wind development because of the whale deaths. And the Murphy administration, citing federal regulators, citing researchers and scientists, and mainstream environmental groups' position, so this link just doesn't exist. But there are things that if we really wanted to save the whales that we could be doing, the Murphy administration says, doing different regulations of commercial boating, of commercial fishing, and reducing the
0: amount of plastic that's going into the ocean. And then potentially a more serious question facing the Murphy administration and its offshore wind plans is how to actually pay for the projects You report that negotiations have been going on since last year between state officials and Orsted, a big company planning to develop offshore wind. So where are those negotiations and what's at stake for both sides? As the whale issue has really become
2: consuming political narrative in New Jersey, the more important and probably more serious discussion is how to pay for the projects. Inflation and supply chain issues have affected what Ørsted's project, which is the first one, will be the first project in the state known as Ocean Wind 1. Ørsted has said it's worried that it can't pay for this project, it can't make money off this project. And so even as the narrative has shifted against offshore wind, we're looking at trying to come up with hundreds of millions more dollars to help this uh, offshore wind developer to get the first project under construction and off the ground. And one of the funding mechanisms that's being sort of seriously talked about is let's use the tax incentives in the Inflation Reduction Act. In New Jersey, unlike in other states, like New York, New York said, hey, you know, wind energy developers, if you can benefit from new tax incentives, keep that, that's great. In New Jersey, the deal that the State Board of Public Utilities and Erstead seem to have entered into in 2019 is, hey. Erstead, if you get some new tax incentive, that goes back to the ratepayers. And what it looks like the company is trying to do is say, well, actually, you know, if you let us keep that, we're closer to making this project work. We're closer to undoing the effects of inflation and supply chain issues. New Jersey has, in some ways, in trying to protect ratepayers, made it harder to actually finance this project because it would have to do something that would functionally drive up ratepayer costs by not letting rate payers keep the tax incentives and instead letting the company keep the tax incentives. And this is an election year in New Jersey. So all of this is coming together at a time that's very delicate and very fragile for the offshore wind industry. And I think there's a lot, a lot of concern and uncertainty that these projects and these
0: ambitious goals can get off the ground to be met. And what's at stake for Murphy in particular, given he's really staked his claim at offshore wind and there's both financial questions and political
2: Traditionally, New Jersey's interest in having a robust offshore wind industry with lots of manufacturing of turbines and nacelles and all these things goes back all the way to 2010 when former Governor Chris Christie, a Republican, was in office. When Murphy, a Democrat, took office, he, he really seized what he viewed as an opportunity for the offshore wind industry to tie together a couple of different often competing factions of the Democratic coalition, labor unions who love jobs environmentalists who love clean energy. He thought, and former Labor Secretary Marty Walsh came down here to break ground on a wind port, sort of endorsing this view that we could really, that the Democratic Party, they thought, could really square this circle that sometimes inflames things, you know, the opposition between labor and environmental groups. But, you know, if he can't get these projects off the ground, you know, that could fall apart.
1: Hey there again, this is Nirmal. We're here at the Politico Energy Summit reporting live. It was our first ever energy summit to discuss how the US is positioning itself on a path forward toward a clean energy future. I'm joined by Politico's Kelsey Tamburino and James Bicalis who have been covering the event. What were the big takeaways for each of you?
0: So I'd say the biggest takeaway for me was the acknowledgement across industry and government officials of the trade-off that we're seeing with the clean energy transition. We saw a lot of discussion on China and the role that it plays in a lot of the supply chains here for solar and batteries and wind, but also the need to bring that domestically to produce those components here. We also saw Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm discuss energy security in the context of the Mountain Valley Pipeline and the role that pipelines play in the broader international conversation and the role of oil and gas but also the need to quickly move to cleaner energy sources and i think that was a general theme that we saw across panels of this need to one we again on china need to move the supply chains here but there's a balance that we can't necessarily decouple from them overnight So in addition to some of those long-term challenges that Kelsey mentioned, there's also some short-term battles that are creating a lot of uncertainty in the energy industry. The debt ceiling is one of the major ones that the panelists brought up today, and how that may or may not affect the permitting fight that's ongoing in Congress. Energy leaders from both fossil fuels and the clean energy industry both agreed during the panels that Permanent reform will be necessary to create more certainty for the industry going forward. But as of now, there's a lot of uncertainty on how that might affect, be affected by the debt ceiling fight and ongoing negotiations.
1: For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com/power-switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Josh Siegel is the usual host of the podcast. Brooke Hayes edited the podcast this week. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Nirmal Malichal, and we'll see you back on Monday.
0: Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.